Portions of this program may be pre recorded. All engines running, commit liftoff. Hey, welcome to SWAT Radio with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. So happy you are listening today. I am Taylor Johnson, and Doug is back in the studio today. So if you were worried you'd have to suffer through me <laughs> leading a, uh, the show or the program, uh, you don't have to worry anymore. Doug is back. You did a great job back. yesterday, Taylor. <laughs> I was glad that you and uh, your dad, AJ, got to do that. Y'all did a great job. and It was uh, fun. Yeah. It was pretty cool, isn't it, to do a radio program with your dad? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's cool. Well, thank you for listening today. Uh, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And typically, Monday through Wednesday, we work through passages of Scripture and talk about how they relate to our everyday lives. Thursday's usually our guest day. We had bumped it to Friday. But uh, our guest, Dr. H.B. Charles from Shiloh, had an emergency come up that he could not be here today. He is going to be with us next Tuesday. So if you are tuning in today thinking he's going to be on, he's going to be with us next Tuesday. And so today, instead, you get me and Taylor and one of our favorite doctors, Dr. Christy Reisinger from uh, Texas. And uh, in light of everything going on with covid uh, the fact that they had hearings today and Dr. Fauci was testifying and also the people from the CDC and you had this viral video going on the internet. I thought it would be great to have Dr. Christy Reisinger on again. And by the way, she has a great YouTube channel uh, that if you just go to YouTube and you type in her name, Dr. Reisinger, you can put in Christy Reisinger. Uh, it will come up, and it is, again, uh, a great YouTube channel. It's C-H-R-I-S-T-Y, Reisinger, R-I-S-I-N-G-E-R. And uh, she has tons of videos on there about COVID, so many different things. And Dr. Reisinger, welcome back again to SWAT Radio. Thank you, Doug. It's always a pleasure to be with you guys. Thank you. I'm honored. To well, you have you guys ask me again. You are a great uh, source of information for us. We've always been blessed because one, you're a believer; two, you're a doctor, and you've been dealing with the COVID thing. And I just want to, because this video is, you know, the viral video of all these frontline doctors were up at DC, uh, was pulled, and there's controversy over it. I just wondered what your take was as a believer, as a doctor, and as somebody who is not politically motivated. Tell us what you know your take is on this video and the doctors and everything. Yes, I'm happy to speak to that because I saw that too and thought, oh gosh, um, this is such an interesting development. Um, I want to first kind of explain uh, several different things. And this is what I think is creating so much confusion and consternation about this video. I want to first talk about inpatient treatment of COVID-19 versus outpatient treatment of COVID-19. Inpatient treatment of COVID-19, hydroxychloroquine has not been shown to be effective. There are so many wonderful, good trials and studies that have been done that show hydroxychloroquine in the hospital 
is not an effective treatment for COVID-19. There was a recent study out of the Henry Ford Medical Center uh-huh. that I thought was really, really interesting. And they actually, it was this, their study was published in the International Journal of Infectious Diseases, which is not a highly, I, I just, I've never even heard of that particular journal, which is one, you know, caution. It was also a retrospective analysis, which means they looked back at data instead of giving it, you know, and then seeing how it was used or see what happened. So retrospective analysis is not as good as a double-blind placebo-controlled trial. So that had another strike against, against it. And they showed that in patients that received hydroxychloroquine, mortality was decreased compared to those that did not receive hydroxychloroquine. And I'm speaking about this study because this is what sort of raised, I think this is what is what started the controversy and then the America's frontline doctors then also continued to spread, you know, just uh, confusing information. So this Henry Ford study said that the patients that received hydroxychloroquine had reduced mortality, but I cannot stress this is enough is that 79% of the patients that were in the hydroxychloroquine group received steroids. And we know that dexamethasone, which is a steroid, cuts mortality. We know that. So that, I think, confounds their data. I don't think it is a well-run study, which is why the study was not put in a more reputable journal. Uh-huh. So that was the first, the first study that came out that I think got people looking back at hydroxychloroquine because there, you know, the, the banner on the study was that hydroxychloroquine reduced mortality. Mm-hmm. But when you actually delve into the data, you see that hydroxychloroquine patients also receive steroids. That is not the same. You cannot say that hydroxychloroquine alone because when we know that steroids work. So I don't think that's a good study. Uh, you know, so I would discount that study. I don't think that that undermines any of the other studies that have shown hydroxychloroquine has not been helpful. Okay, now let's fast forward to America's frontline doctors. Okay. America's frontline doctors are talking about hydroxychloroquine, about how, you know, it's a it's a uh, cure for, for COVID-19. A lot of these doctors have said that they have been using it in their for their patients, you know, one doctor claimed that she had treated 350 patients with hydroxychloroquine. I need to, I need to really state that, that it's my understanding they're treating outpatient patients, meaning that they, these are not patients that are in the hospital. These are patients that are in the outpatient setting. And I don't, I, I need to sort of say that we know that for inpatient, if you are in the hospital, hydroxychloroquine has really kind of fallen out of favor. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's a medication that, that is being used as much in the hospital. And, you know, the, the research has really been well done. And for inpatient, if you're in the hospital, hydroxychloroquine is probably not going to be used. They're going to use other things like steroids. They're going to use plasma. They're going to use possibly remdesivir. But hydroxychloroquine has really kind of fallen out of favor. Well, I, I want, think rightfully so. I want to ask you about remdesivir in a second, but I had a friend in Texas. He's 80 in his 80s, 82 years old, male, who's had a stroke, heart attack, uh, not in great health. He almost died about a year ago because of the stroke and heart attack. 
and he got COVID-19 and was outpatient. He was at home, had not been admitted to the hospital. He was struggling at home, but called the doctors. They would not give him hydrochloroquyl. He ended up finally getting hydrochloroquyl from another doctor. He made a pretty quick recovery at home. Again, he was not an inpatient. Uh, one of the concerns I have in listening to you and trying to wade through all the different information is, like so many things in our culture right now, anecdotal evidence is being weighed yes. heavier uh, than data uh, as it relates to a bunch of things, whether it's uh, you know ethnic prejudice or whether it's even the medical community, which the medical community has always uh, relied on data, it seems like, to treat mm-hmm. diseases and infectious diseases. So um, with that being said, would, would you agree with that, uh, you know, that, that theory that that's what's happening right now? Oh, gosh, yes, Doug. That, that is exactly what's happening is that, you know, okay, so I, I need to want, well, once again say that 80% of the patients that get COVID-19 recover at home without any treatment. So that alone can skew the data. I yeah. mean, what if I said, yeah, drinking orange juice every day when you have COVID-19 will cure you? Well, a lot of the 80% of the time I would be correct. But can we really say that it was the orange juice that I told you to drink That's that really point. cured your COVID-19? Well, I don't think so. I mean, so how do you pr- how do you prove that hydroxychloroquine was the cure versus your own immune system was the cure? You know what I mean? So yeah. I think that is where a lot of people need to realize that 80% of the patients that get COVID-19 have mild to moderate symptoms, never need to go to the hospital, never need to be intubated, never need to have any sort of intervention at the hospital. So that alone, I think, can make a lot of this, uh, a lot of people saying things about it um, just more difficult to wade through. Like you said, it's just all people sort of saying their own personal experiences. But without a placebo-controlled, double-blind study, we, we cannot say that. And I think, it's, I think it's misleading and dangerous. And I really don't like the way that they're that the America's frontline doctors were just sort of stirring the pot and saying that, you know, Americans are being kept away from the medication. Like I, I just, that, that was, that was troubling for me to hear them say. And I just feel like, you know, the American people don't want to feel duped. They yeah. don't want to feel stupid. They don't want to feel like someone's hiding something from them. Yeah. And I just, I just, I, that was the concerning part that I just was like, wow, I just really don't agree with the, the method, you know, of, of stirring up fear. I, I just don't agree with that. And I want to talk a little bit, too, about pre-exposure prophylaxis with hydroxychloroquine and post-exposure prophylaxis with hydroxychloroquine. And I think there is some some really exciting data that I think will be coming out on pre-exposure prophylaxis, meaning that... Hey, hey Dr. Dr. Reisinger, can we, we have to go to yeah. a break uh, can you can hold over, right? We're going to be able to c- talk to you yeah, after yeah, the break. Oh, sure. Okay. Absolutely. All right. We'll be uh, right back. Go ahead, Taylor. All right. We will be right back with more after the break. Hey, we'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsors, A Store and Window, as well as Tom Neal Trucking and Jeff Andrews of Highway to Eternity Ministries. If you would like to sponsor the program, please email Doug at SWATradio.com. That's Doug at SWAT, SWAT Radio. 
SWATradio.com. You can also download our SWAT app in the App Store. If You're listening you like to SWAT Radio. SWAT Stay Radio. tuned. The toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.astore.com. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And if you're just uh, tuning in, we have a special guest, Dr. Christy Reisinger, on. Um, and Doug has been peppering her with questions, and she's done a great job of answering. Hey, uh, yeah, we are excited to have you back on. I, I hate that we can't have you the whole hour, but I'm, I'm glad to get you for when we can. Uh, I told you uh, 3.30, Dr. Reisinger, but we may have to keep you over for five minutes into the third segment because oh, because as we're talking, we're getting more questions. And, and you were you were talking before we went to the break, I, I think, about pre-exposure meds, right? Is that what you were talking about? Yeah, yeah. So I think this is an area that I think is really exciting. And I think that there could be something to it. We don't know yet, but there's a lot of ongoing studies that are, are evaluating this. And what, what I mean with pre-exposure prophylaxis, they're, give it, they're really trying it in um, frontline healthcare workers because, you know, they have more, they're more at, they're at greater risk for being exposed. So they're finding 
you know, all sorts, all sorts of studies are choosing frontline workers and they're asking them, hey, would you be willing to take hydroxychloroquine, 200 milligrams, either every day or twice a week? This depends on the particular study. And I think it's really exciting. You know, we're not going to have the data for a while, but I do think that there could be something to it. We don't, we, you know, we know that hydroxychloroquine, there are some things about it that are very interesting and makes make, make me want to believe that this could be helpful. But my concern and my caution is that I think once we give it to patients in the hospital, they're too sick. Mm-hmm. So what if we gave it to people in order to prevent prophylaxis, it would be like preventing malaria. You know, hydroxychloroquine is used when you travel to a malaria, a country with a high rate of malaria, hydroxychloroquine can be used as prophylaxis against malaria. So we know that it's very safe to be done at low doses, you know, as a prophylaxis. And that was the American frontline, America's frontline healthcare workers. That was their point. Mm -hmm. Yes, I totally agree. It is really safe. I mean, all the media that's been surrounding the fact that it's that it's not a safe medication i mean at the doses that were being given to patients in the hospital that's true Mm -hmm. i mean it it was causing arrhythmias in patients and they have the data to prove that but the america's frontline worker healthcare workers their point was in low doses it's very safe that is true we're giving giving using it for years and years and patients that have gone to africa you know, and that I took it. Well, I think I've taken it because I've traveled to India oh, quite a bit. I've taken it. Yeah. Uh, but, yes. but what yes. I'm wondering, yes. though, is, you know, when you look at India, are there any studies out there looking at India, or Africa, those places where it is high? Are they are they looking at seeing as, are there low infection rates in those countries? You know, you know, that's such a good question. They, they po- one of the doctors said something about how in a country that that uses a lot of hydroxychloroquine um they're not seeing as much COVID 19 and i i don't know where he got that information i would like to take a deep dive into that and really see that that's true but i do want to say is it the hydroxychloroquine or is it the fact that in these particular countries we don't have the obesity (laughs) well that's true too we don't have some of the things that are causing Americans to have really difficult time with COVID-19. I'm not sure that these African countries just in general have the same rates of diabetes and obesity and cardiovascular disease. First of all, I don't think they live as long, you know, they die of other things, but also too, they're, they're just not heavy. They don't tend to be very overweight. So I'm wondering, you know, and also too, when you live in a particular country, you don't take hydroxychloroquine. It's yeah. only the people that come to visit. Like if I lived in Senegal or if I lived where wherever, I'm not, and, and I was a native, I'm not taking hydroxychloroquine, only if someone comes in to visit for a period of time. So I don't really know where he got that data. Well, you know, that's the other thing, too, totally. is I was just thinking about the lifestyle is Americans particularly. Think about how many places we go that our hands mm-hmm. touch things, whether it's cards going into readers to, to pay for things, or we go into stores. We, we're so mobile. We're, we're every, you know, all these people, people are flying from L.A. to, to the Florida, from New York to Florida, all these interactions. So it's just a, a, other countries, they don't do that like, it, like as much here, mm-hmm. you know. So, hey, yeah. let's get back to remdesivir real quick. So 
if I had it, let's say you were my my general practitioner and I got COVID and I'm at home and I'm telling you I can't hardly breathe, I'm struggling, but I my you know my fever's not through the roof. But uh, when at what point do you introduce remdesivir? Is that something as a as, as as a last resort? Does it happen when you really are having a hard time breathing? Like, can you tell us a little bit about the remdesivir? Yes, remdesivir is an IV medication that is only used in the hospital, and it's really only been used when things are not going well. Um, and so, it's not going to be given. It's not going to be given to patients that are in the outpatient setting. And that's what's so scary for people, right? It's like if you are in, if you're at home and you get COVID-19, there's not a lot that we have for mild to moderate cases of COVID-19. So that's why people are really scrambling to try to figure out what can we do to help prevent COVID-19 besides a vaccine Mm -hmm. and Tylenol. I mean, that's really what we have, Doug. I mean, and that's not super helpful to people that are really, really scared. Like for me to be like, well, we've got Tylenol. They're going to be like, that's terrible advice. I know. But that's what so, that my friend was told. The 80-year-old, the doctor said, just take Tylenol. And he was panicking. He's yeah. like, I don't want to just take Tylenol. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So I there are a couple of things that I want to say. I do think that there is something to be said possibly about inhaled corticosteroids. Because, you know, that has also been touted by a physician, I think, that lived in Abilene. I can't can't remember his name. But he's talked about having a silver bullet with inhaled budesonide. Now, once again, his is just circumstantial. You know, he has used that on lots of people in his own personal practice and has said that it's really worked. I do think there's something interesting about what he's saying. I don't think it's a silver bullet, but I do think there's also needs to be more studies, and there are going on about inhaled corticosteroids. So if you have asthma and you're on Pulmacort, Advair, Qvar, you know, an inhaled steroid, that has actually been shown possibly to be protective mm-hmm. against COVID-19. We're just not seeing the same rates of COVID-19 infections in patients with asthma. So if you're wheezing a whole lot and you're at home with COVID-19, I think an inhaled steroid would be a very reasonable thing to, to talk about with your doctor. And if you have asthma and you're on um, an inhaled corticosteroid to keep your asthma under control, please do not stop that. There is a possibility that that could be protective. I can't say that with 100% surety because we don't have the data, but I don't think it's going to necessarily be harmful. Hey. So that is one thing that I would I would talk to my doctor about is an inhaled steroid, okay. especially if you're wheezing and having difficulty breathing. I had a, uh, yeah. you know, as you were saying that, this is Taylor. Um, I was curious. Hi, Taylor. Yeah. Um, you know, you were saying, well, you know, we don't have a lot of studies. Is that leading to a lot of the confusion and a lot of the angsts? There's not a lot of good uh, clinical studies that have gone on uh, about the virus and stuff like that. And specifically when you think of masks and stuff, I know that um, – uh, in Sweden, I think today no, nor, uh, it was the Netherlands. Yeah, it came out and said that masks are not effective and they haven't been shown in studies to be effective. But then here we're hearing, you know, you need to wear them because they are uh, effective. And you know, there's so many different things for the average person that it's like, oh, who do I trust? What study? You know, this study says that this doesn't work, but this study well, you, says it does. I think you even mentioned Yale or, or did you? Yeah, or, well, or, Yale and Stanford are talk to, about like we, we don't need to be you know, shutting down and then everyone else is saying, you know, there's just a bunch of confusion for the average person 
And I guess that's kind of public policy stuff. So maybe that's not really up your alley. But uh, have you found that difficult for yourself as far as trying to piece through the data and stuff? Absolutely, Taylor. And so I sit here and think if I am having confusion, I cannot even imagine that the, you know, the straight, the American who's not medically trained. I mean, that's what's so frustrating about this is that people are there because there's not really a unified, I don't know, there's just not a, not a unified approach to this. And I'm not sure that they're, I go back and forth, you know, every state is just treating this all so differently and maybe that's okay because the rates are also different. But I do think that, you know, there are reputable places to look and reputable places to, to think about. And I'm trying to think about what, what, how, what I could tell people. So at the end of the day, studies are ongoing and I want people to realize that double, double blind placebo controlled trials are the gold standard. Mm. Circumstantial evidence and, you know, people talking about how they personally treated 350 people that is not good evidence. That is anecdotal evidence. That is not science. Mm. <laughs> that is just, you know, people saying that they think something's going to work. And I think that that I don't like when people do that. I just wish that they would not do that. The mm. New England Journal of Medicine, the Lancet, you know, those are very reputable. The, the Annals of Internal Medicine, those are very reputable journals. Now, the Lancet had a big black eye because they had a study about hydroxychloroquine that was retracted. Hmm. And I was, you know, thinking to myself, if of all the time for the <laughs> Lancet to have to retract a study, I was really saddened by that. But what I need for people to understand is that the Lancet used a private company that did data mining. That's very common. You know, uh, in order to, to conduct a study, they have... Uh, companies help them mine data and electronic medical records. Hey, and this particular company... Hey, Dr. Ba- uh, Dr. Reisinger, we have got to go to the news break. About, can you hang on for yeah. just 10 more minutes, okay? After sure. the break? All right. Yeah, yeah, sure. All right, we will be more... Well, we will be back with more after the news. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The handle is at SWAT Radio Talk. That's at SWAT Radio Talk. Hey, we'd like to give a shout-out to our listeners uh, listening in Virginia at the Lighthouse, as well as in Meridian, Mississippi, listening on WMER, as well as our local listeners listening on 91.7 uh, The Truth, that's Jacksonville, 91.9 St. Augustine, and 91.3 uh, folks in Georgia. We'll be right back with uh, Dr. Christy Reisinger. Oh, my sins are full. 
Welcome back to SWAT Radio. That was All My Hope by David Crowder. And if you're just joining us, we have uh, Dr. Christy Reisinger uh, on the line. And she has a quick break coming up. She's going to have to go yeah, soon. Yeah, so we want to get back got, into yeah, it quick. She's going to have to go. But I want to let you know, you can go to her YouTube channel. WW, well, just go to YouTube. Everybody knows where that is. And put in <laughs> Christy Reisinger, R-I-S-I-S. S-I-N-G-E-R, and she has a bunch of videos about COVID-19. Do you need to wear a mask? Is there a silver bullet? Uh, If you've been exposed, what now? Um, You know, Dr. Reisinger, uh, again, thank you so much for joining us. I want to ask you a question that I was kind of struck by something Dr. Fauci said, who is kind of like America's spokesperson about this thing. Um, Anyway, that's what uh, all the media is treating him as a spokesperson, and I, I'm not going to weigh in one way or the other on that. I, but he said that this is never going to leave us. It's so contagious, it won't likely ever disappear. And when I hear that, I'm thinking, well, I don't remember them saying that about any other infectious disease in our history. That I mean, I, I, I just that just kind of takes me back. Uh, what are your thoughts just in hearing that if you're just hearing it for the first time and as a doctor i mean do you do you i mean is that unusual so you know well i guess i should probably say that well we have influenza every year and yeah. so i think that's probably what he thinks is is going to happen with this particular coronavirus but we don't have sars and mers anymore so there is a possibility, you know, that they'll, that they'll just die out on their own. But we haven't seen that yet. And my understanding is with SARS and MERS, you know, it just wasn't – it didn't have the globalization um, around the world that we're seeing with um, with COVID-19. So my hope, my hope, Doug, is that we will have a vaccine. That we will be able to convince the public that it's safe and that, that – you know, a large majority of people will get the vaccine. But I do think it'll probably just, it, it may mutate at some point and, and just continue to, like the, like influenza, kind of show up seasonally. I just don't know if we can, I don't know if we can say with certainty that it's going to be around forever or that it's definitely going to go away. I think we're still waiting to see. My guess, my personal opinion is that it's going to be somewhere between measles and somewhere between influenza. Influenza is able to mutate, and that's why we need to have a vaccine every year because it's so different from year to year to year. Yeah. Where with measles, you know, you get one vaccine and you're kind of one and done. Like you don't really – and the vaccine is always the same vaccine, and it's the same vaccine that's been used years and years and years because that particular virus just doesn't mutate that much. Mm-hmm. They all mutate some. So when you hear people saying – Oh, the virus is mutating. You should be like, yeah, I know. They all do. They all do. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean that it's going to get worse. It doesn't mean that it's going to get better. It's just the way that these viruses have learned how to survive. So my thought is that eventually it will mutate to the point at which the particular virus vaccine that we have doesn't work as well and we'll need to generate a new vaccine. Will that be annually? Will that be every five years that people need a booster? I don't think we know yet. But we're not seeing it mutate rapidly like we do influenza, and but we're not seeing it stagnate like we have with measles. It's kind of somewhere in between. It is mutating, 
So when you hear people say it's mutating, say, yeah, I know that. I heard that from Dr. Christy Reisinger. I know that it's mutating, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be stronger. That mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be weaker. That's just how viruses survive. Okay. All right. We got, uh, I know we got three minutes left, so you got a minute and a half to answer these two questions. First question, what do you say to the people that are out there that are believers, that these are people that they're not afraid of medicine, they probably got the measles vaccine, but they're going, I don't want this vaccine. I don't trust any of the information out there, and I'm, I'm afraid. I'm hearing all kinds of conspiracy theories. What do I do with this vaccine? Do I wait? I mean, do I just, you said 80% of the people are going to get it and recover from it. So, I I mean, I'm personally thinking, I don't want the vaccine. I just want to get it and get it over with. And I know that's probably not a good thing, Mm -hmm. but real quick, weigh in on that. So, you know, Doug, you may have had it and not know. (laughs) That's true. That's that's what's so so funny about it. I mean, that's, and that's what's so scary about it is that we just can't predict that's and those outliers that you hear, you know, that die, you know, you see, look at Herman Cain who just passed away. And then you also hear of a 26 year old who got a double lung transplant because she got COVID-19. So, you know, we're all just so afraid. I, as a physician feel like when the vaccine comes out, I think that there will, there will be, have there will have been enough studies and data that I am willing to take it. I understand that not everyone's going to be willing to do that. As believers, I think praying about it is is wonderful. I would absolutely pray about whether you feel like this is something that you should do or not. Um, at the end of the day, we do need to realize that by getting a vaccine, you are protecting not only yourself, but you're protecting people around you, mm-hmm. and you're protecting the most vulnerable. Like my mom got a bone marrow transplant, and she can't get the vaccine. So I would think, oh, wouldn't it be nice if everyone that loved her and were around her got the vaccine Mm -hmm. so that we could be that shield for her? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how we need to think about vaccines. It's not really just about yourself. It's about loving other people around you. And that's also why I want to leave us with with a couple of things about I do strongly believe that wearing a mask is really helpful because it also is a way to protect others around you. Because before you even have symptoms, two days before you are able to spread it to other people. And if you are around someone that's over the age of 65, immunocompromised, is really overweight, has diabetes, has high blood pressure, they're at greater risk. And so just put on a mask. It's so easy to do. I don't know why it's gotten so political. I wish it hadn't. And I've changed my view. At the very beginning, I was like, really? And that seems kind of dumb to do that. We don't do that for flu. But we've had, we have really good data now. And I've changed my mind. So I do want everyone to wear a mask. And I do everyone want everyone to not go to a crowded bar. Please don't do that right now. It's, it's just a way to love other people. Be smart about your large gatherings. And just don't do it right now until we get a better control on this, especially in Texas and Florida, where you and I both are. So, Okay. Well, um, and then um, the, the last question is kids in school before you go. <laughs> yes? I'm all for it. Yes, there is a way to do it. You know, I'm on the medical. That's the meeting that I have coming up at three or three o'clock my time. Um, I, I am all for it. And I feel like kids, the data and children, y'all, it's so reassuring. I think I said it last time I was here. There have been no deaths in Texas for kids under the age of 18 that I'm aware of. Maybe we have one or two now. 
None. None. So it's really about protecting the teachers. And the teachers are not feeling reassured by the independent school districts, by the public school system. Because, you know... They, they're not getting the fun. I don't know. I don't know why they're not. But but as a pro- my kids go to private school, and so we're able to implement things where the teachers feel protected. It's about protecting the teachers. It's not really about the kids. The kids aren't going to get – they're not going to die from COVID-19. But we need to do things that reassure the teachers. And so how can we do that in a way that encourages the teachers to come back and they feel safe? Mm-hmm. And that's really going to be up to each independent school district. And, you know, it's probably going to involve the kids wearing masks for a period of time. So people need to kind of wrap their brains around that. Well, well, thank you for joining us. I know you got to run to your meeting. That's Dr. Christy Reisinger. You can go to her YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube on the Internet and type in uh, Christy, C-H-R-I-S-T-Y, Reisinger, R-I-S-I-N-G-E-R. Subscribe to her channel. You get all of her updates. She's constantly adding more videos related to COVID. Thank you, Dr. Reisinger, and uh, God bless you. God speed to you, and uh, hopefully uh, God will continue to use you as you minister to people in the healthcare industry. All right? Thanks so much, Doug and Taylor. Y'all have a good day. All right, you too. Thank you. Well, wow, that was pretty interesting, right? I mean, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of stuff uh, to talk about. If you've listened to uh, any part of the last 45 minutes and want to weigh in in any way, uh, you can call us, or you, if you don't want to be on air, you can shoot us an email uh, at uh, Doug at SWATradio.com or ask at SWATradio.com. Would love uh, to have you part of the conversation, and um, otherwise you're just going to hear me and Taylor kind of go back and forth about it. Uh, what do you think, Taylor? I appreciated that she, um, you know, just spoke from her medical training and and uh, looked at it through that lens. There were some things that, you know, looking through like a public policy lens that, you know, there were some insinuations where I was like, well, I've heard some different things, but I appreciated that she kept it, you know, um, in her wheelhouse. So it was cool. Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, just hearing, like, did you know about the inhaled corticosteroids, uh, about that being a good possible treatment if you are, if you contracted it and get in there? Yeah, no, and I thought it was cool that uh, she brought up that about asthma and that uh, asthmatics. Uh, they're seeing that there's a possibility of, um, you know, that, you know, you, you they, they don't get it as often. And so I think that's a cool avenue to to explore uh, yeah. to explore more of and that's the thing with kind of i was insinuating with the question is there's so much that we don't know and so little data and uh so yeah that's yeah i thought I, it was interesting uh <clears throat> what she said uh, also i wish we would have had a little more time because i wanted to really kind of delve into the whole mask thing I, I i don't have a problem with her recommending that i, yeah. I don't have a problem at all the, the problem I have is mandating it. Yeah. That's, that's the problem I have personally with it. But, you know, uh, if it's loving and caring to do that to somebody, I don't have a problem with recommending that, especially with immunocompromised. I know we've got to go to break, but we would love for people to call in. How do they do that? Yeah, so if you want to call in, you can hit us up at one eight four four triple seven swat That's one eight four four seven 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 nine two eight. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask at SWATradio.com. And you are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. 
This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts, and truck rental, and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. Look down from a broken sky, traced out by the city lights. My world from a mile high, best seat in the house tonight. Touchdown in the cold black top. Hold on for the sudden stop Breathing the familiar shock of confusion and chaos All those people going somewhere Why have I never cared? Give me your eyes for just one second Give me your eyes so I can see Everything that I keep missing Give me your love for humanity Give me your arms with the broken hearted The ones that are far beyond my reach Give me your heart for the ones forgotten Give me your eyes so I can see Yeah 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 Step out on a busy street See a girl in our eyes meet does the best to smile at me To hide what's underneath There's a man just to right Black suit and a bright red tie Too ashamed to tell his wife That is Brandon Heath with Give Me Your Eyes. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. Um, if you would like to join the discussions or if you have comments, questions, concerns, exultations, uh, please call us at one eight four four triple seven SWAT. That's one eight four four seven 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 nine two eight. Or you can email us at ask at swatradio dot com. That's ask at swatradio dot com. We just had Dr. Chrissy Reisinger uh, on the program, and so if you are listening uh, and you have some questions about that, what what she had to say, or you had some comments, you know, whatever, uh, hit us up. And if you are just tuning in, that's what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting to hear her perspective. She's coming at it from purely a medical mm-hmm. perspective, and I thought what she shared was very helpful. Um, and I and and that was one of the concerns I had about hydrochloroquine is that, you know, so much of what we hear right now is anecdotal evidence outweighing. Mm-hmm real data uh and and real studies what whatever it is and 
We just need to be consistent. You know, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth, talking about the truth of God's word, obviously, and the truth being Jesus. But as believers, we don't need to just uh, go to something because we feel good about it. Mm -hmm. It makes because let's just be honest. There's a lot of people right now who are upset. They don't know who to believe. They feel like they're being lied to. They feel like they're being manipulated. And you're right. You shared this with it. I mean, we don't know who to turn to, who to believe. So when you get a group of doctors that stand up because people are saying don't use this, there's a tendency to want to go to them. And I'm not saying they're right or wrong. I don't know. I haven't really looked. But we have to be careful just to embrace Mm-hmm. what they say based on anecdotal evidence without doing these studies. I mean, you know what? There are people that sell herbal supplements all mm-hmm. over the United States based on anecdotal evidence. There's no double placebo gold standard yeah. test done for these kind of things. Yeah, I thought it was uh, uh, interesting that she distinguished people who have it and are severely ill and people who maybe just have a mild version of it and how there could be some effectiveness for the mild and then, you know, maybe for the ones who have it stronger, uh, not so much. But, again, there's still more studies that need to come out. What I think is interesting, though, apart from the science, is the vilification of hydroxychloroquine when it's, you know, something that we've known to be safe for a long time in small doses. Uh, doses. And that leads me to kind of my feelings towards this whole thing. I don't really trust either side or anybody because we're in an election cycle and each side is trying to crush the other um, <laughs> to the detriment of the country, in my opinion, and uh, to people's well-beings. And so it's frustrating when you hear r- reputable sources like Stanford and Yale talking about, hey, you know, we need to be open. Uh, and then you see what's going on in Sweden, that they're uh, similar. But then you hear from the mainstream media and stuff. Oh, my gosh, this, you know, this is the end of the world. And it's just like, you know what? I don't care. I don't don't even talk to me about, you know, COVID-19 anymore, man. It's just it's because you, you can't really trust or believe anybody. And when when you get to that uh, that place in a society, I don't, that's definitely not a good place to be. Well, um, yeah. So as we as we think about it from a from a believer's perspective and and kind of thinking about even what we talked about this week. Uh, you know, when we talk about COVID and we talk about the pandemic and we talk about government um, mandates, whatever they are, uh, one of the arguments that um, the church out in California made was that it was overreaching mm-hmm. because they were not applying the same standard to casinos, liquor stores, other stores that they do to churches. Yeah. And I think that's a valid argument. I do. Um, If you listen to what um, Dr. Reisinger said, we should be careful in large gatherings. I mean, she said, be careful in bars. Well, what happens in bars? You know, I mean, I mean, you don't go to a bar just to go get something to drink. You go to be around people, people. There's there's a lot of uh, people you know, I don't know. I, I, I we're not going to yeah. go down that road, but that's a very different setting than when you see people gathering at church type events. Yeah. You know, I mean, people think about it. Have you been to a restaurant lately in the last few weeks? 
mm. the last three or four weeks? No, because I'm not putting a mask on. So well, <laughs> I well, 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 well. But if you go into a restaurant, everybody that goes in there, they walk in with a mask. They pull the mask off. Yeah. So they're breathing those droplets in the restaurant. Yeah. I heard people coughing and sneezing in restaurants. Yeah. While they're eating, so whatever the mask was supposed to do when they walk in is undone yeah. while they're sitting at a table. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to be consistent. Don't go to a restaurant. You know, if you have a problem with people going to church, mm-hmm. then the, the whole point and, and what um, the pastor out in California said is 99.98% of the people that get COVID-19 survive COVID-19. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't mean you shouldn't take precautions to protect people. I do believe that we should do that. I think that, you know, if you are... Uh, vulnerable you should take precautions for yourself and then if you know you're going to be around uh, people who are vulnerable yeah take take precautions but when we say you know we're going to legislate how people must behave um, we first you don't give people the freedom or the the opportunity to act in love you know for somebody else out of the goodness of their heart um, but second, we go from, you know, a country based on personal liberty and personal responsibility um, to mimicking communist China. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and the fact that people don't, you know, I think there's some people who are looking at the virus and are like, oh, you know, I'm afraid of that. And there's other people who maybe are less so and are looking at the the broader implications. And so people are talking to each other. Uh, not really about the same thing, but thinking they're talking about the same thing. You know what I mean? Well, I I, uh, I just think that as we move forward as a country, we, we, are, we have experienced since really the early March time frame the things that we've not done in our country's history mm-hmm. because of a disease or war or anything else. Yep. And we went through World War II. We went through World War One. We we went through a lot of things where we have not done what we've done. We've had, you know, plenty of pandemics, that, and then people don't even realize them. Like H one N one, they tested sixty million people with that. Now it wasn't as deadly, and then they stopped testing. But that's way more than what's been tested for this, and we didn't shut down everything for it. Uh, you know, and they had the Asian flu in the ni- nineteen fifty seven. Most people don't even remember that. You know, but this one uh, is different, and I think part of that is that the the fabric of the nation and of the culture is different and much more removed from God. But also, you know, our politics is much more uh, uh, destructive, and there's a lot of enmity in it, and which I would say is going to lead to some trouble. But as Christians, we got to, you know, move on our conscience and not jump down other people's throats. Yeah. If they feel convicted different than you, because I've seen a lot of people who, you know, have called other Christians or Christian leaders false teachers over yeah. this, you know. Well, I don't I was reading in Jeremiah this morning um, and I know we're about to run out of time. But um, in Jeremiah, there was a prophet named Hananiah. Mm. And this this prophet told the people what they wanted to hear. Yeah. And he basically said, hey, you know, I'm going to break this yoke. You know, it's going to break the yoke off your neck. And he's prophesying this to the people. And all the people are like, yeah, we're going to get out of Babylon. And we're going to get, we're not going to have to go through all that. And then uh, with uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah comes on board and says, uh, Lord, what's going on? And 
and he says, tell him this, I, I'm going to replace the yoke, which was a basically a thing hooking them to Babylon, yep. the yoke of wood with a yoke of iron. I mean, and it, and he told Hananiah, you're going to die because you've been prophesying falsehood. And I think, you know, we really need to be careful in as believers. God's word is the truth that we can trust. Now, it doesn't tell you everything about how to cook cookies or stuff, mm-hmm. but the principles in his word should guide us. Mm-hmm. We don't live in fear. We live compassionately toward those around us. But again, we don't let fear drive us. And that, I think, to me, is the big takeaway for everything that Daniel, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not driven by fear they were carried by conviction. Mm-hmm. And that's where God wants us to be, people of conviction and faith. And so do the people around you see you as somebody who's hunkering down yeah. or as somebody who's boldly walking, trusting in the almighty God that says, you know what? I'm not going to do something stupid, but I'm not going to be paralyzed by fear either. I'm yeah. going to let my God uh, dictate the way that I live my life. And I, I give him the praise, the glory, and the honor. And I'm going to pray, like she said, about mm-hmm. the vaccine. If God leads you to take it, take it. So, you know, it's it's really between you and God. Yeah. Well, that's why we have the Holy Spirit. Yep. So hopefully that that was encouraging for people today. Yeah, I, I feel like it probably was. And I think uh, Dr. Reisinger did a great job, and it was fun to listen to her and, uh, you know, learn a little bit. So uh, if you liked it, we're glad. No, yeah, yeah, and again, I'm sorry we didn't have H. B. Charles on today. He will be with us next Tuesday, next Thursday. We got Ginger Saud uh, also uh, interviewed. So two interviews next week. Hope you'll stay with or join us next week. Yeah, you've been listening to SWAT Radio. If you missed any of this program or would like to listen to past programs, please visit www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. Or you can listen to our podcast by searching SWAT Radio. Join us weekdays at 3 o'clock for more SWAT Radio. We will see you then. Thanks for tuning in. Have a good weekend. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening spiritual